Hello, everybody. Again, we are still in the series of eternal life. What's next? We are talking about death. We're talking about heaven, a little bit about Hades, what God has prepared for us, and just a, really a lot of related themes going back and forth. And in some ways, we're sort of jumping around a, a little bit, but there, uh, believe me, there is a rhyme and reason for jumping around. And you'll probably see as you stick with this series. Um, we especially last week and this week want to talk about how do we prepare for this next le- life and all that he has for us. It's clear in the scriptures that how we live today and how we're faithful today and the things that he has given us, that determines much of our role and responsibilities later. So it is very important that we know what's going on ahead and we live accordingly today. Last week, we looked at the parable of the dinner guest in Luke 14, and we saw a couple things. One, God is planning a big dinner, and that represents everything that he has for us, this lavish banquet, the abundance in his household. And second, he has invited many. Yet, sadly, there are many excuses for not coming. You know, in fact, there'll always be excuses. We talked about that last week. Life has its demands. And and if we go, if we try to live our life according to the demands that life puts on us, we will never have time to put God first. But we are challenged by Jesus in Luke 12, Matthew 6, and, and really a lot of other places in the scriptures too, that we are to trust him. And if we put him and his kingdom first, then he will supernaturally put all those other things together for us, all those demands, he would take care of us. So really the Christian life once again comes back to a life of trust. And we cannot let the demands of today and tomorrow squeeze out our walk with the Lord. And this probably for um, uh, Western civilization, I'm talking about in the United States, much of Latin America, Uh, Europe. This is one of our biggest challenges as Christians. Okay, so this week we want to look at a similar passage in Matthew chapter 22. And let me kind of read it first and then we'll go back and look at it. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready, come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore in the main highways and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. 
Those slaves went into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, so very similar to last week's parable, although there are some differences and some significant differences. Uh, verse 2, it starts off, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So this is a parable about the kingdom of God, just like the other one. And he is giving a wedding feast for the for his son, the king's son. And we know who that's talking about, right? Jesus, that's right. And of course, the wedding feast represents again, like last week, all that he has in store for us after this life, beginning with the marriage supper of the lamb. And, and I believe just kind of going on for really the rest of eternity. Okay, so let's kind of read starting verse three again. Okay, and he sent on his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Now, maybe I should just kind of mention this too. Last time, the emphasis was going out and invite. Here, people have been invited. They're just not coming. Okay, they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited. Who've been invited behold i prepare my dinner my oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready come to the wedding feast but they paid no attention and went their way one to his own farm another to his business and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them but the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire okay so here we see the wedding feast is ready. The command went out. Okay, everyone who's, who's been invited, please come. In fact, um, you know, one of the one of the phrases that says, come to the wedding feast. And we talked last week about how come was a, an essential part of the great invitation that we as Christians are to be giving out to the rest of the world. But notice... In verse 3, but they were unwilling. And then in verse 5, but they paid no attention. And then in verse 6, some mistreated and even killed the servants who kind of came out and said, listen, everything's ready. Now, last week in Luke 14, the um, we saw people making excuses. And for the most part, they did it very politely, didn't they? Oh, will you please consider us excuse because what you know they had a wife you know a new wife you know they just bought a piece of land they had uh they just bought five yoke of oxen but it was more polite and sometimes there is people don't come or don't respond to the great invitation because they're excuses they just cannot live for christ but sometimes they're just unwilling as we see in this parable and sometimes people just don't pay attention and sometimes those messengers of the great invitation are mistreated and even killed. 
So between the two parables, we see the response of pretty much, you know, all sorts of people, don't we? Okay, verse 8. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all that they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with wedding guests. Okay, so the command, just like the other parable, go into the highways, go into the streets, find who you can. And it's interesting here it says, find both good and evil. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Even those who don't deserve it, give them the great invitation. And, and as we said last time, you know, last session, uh, often it's the lame, it's the crippled, it's the blind, it's the poor that respond, you know, um, you know, in greater numbers. And then we see in this passage, and then the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. And that's his desire, isn't it? God wants his house filled. And that's what he's really waiting for before he comes back, is that uh, he wants his house completely filled. And so the command to us is to go out and as the parable last in Luke 14 talks about, compel them to come in that his house may be filled. Okay, so, so far, there's some differences between the Luke 14 and the Matthew 22 parable. They're, but you know, even though there's some differences, they're fairly similar. But now in verses 11 through 14, Jesus adds another part to the story. Let's see what it says. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, though we are invited, we must be wearing the wedding clothes. So it's, it's more than just say, okay, uh, there's going to be a dinner. Okay, I'll come. You know, God has something for me. Okay, I'll participate. It's also wearing wedding clothes. Now, what is that talking about? Well, if we go to Revelation chapter 19, we begin to understand a little bit more. Uh, because in the book of Revelation, it talks a lot about these wedding clothes. Like, look at verse 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Okay, so this is repeated several times in the book of Revelation. You know, it talks about uh, clothes, that are white, bright, clean, uh, fine linen, uh, white robes. You know, this is a theme we can go all the way through and we don't have time to do a study on this now. But for example, in Revelation 7, 9, you can look at this a little bit later. It talks about, you know, those who've come out of the tribulation, they've dressed themselves in the white robes. And, and then a little bit later in verse 14, same chapter, chapter 7, it says 
that they had they had um, made their garments white by the blood of the lamb. And I think that's sort of the secret there. You know, here in Revelation 19, it talks about the righteous acts of the saints. The bride, that's us, has made herself ready. She is to be dressed with fine linen, the righteous acts of the saints. But here's the problem. Righteousness is impossible for us, isn't it? Because we're sinful. And that's why we need to have white robes made clean, made white by the blood of the lamb. And that's exactly the way the phrase is used there. So making ourselves ready is an important part of our focus living today. We need to be dressed in the righteous acts of the saints. But there's only way, only one way. We can't be righteous apart from the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus, we're told over and over, cleanses us from all sins. It makes us righteous, even though, you know, we don't deserve that. And um, and so we've got to, we have to, it, it, let's put it this way. It's more than just responding, oh yeah, I'll come. You know, there's a lot of people who come to church. They participate in Oh yeah, Bible study that they like learning about God, but it's there's another step involved, and that is having those white robes of righteousness made possible only by the blood of Jesus. In other words, there's got to be a supernatural touch of the Lord that He cleanses us from our sins, and that means we've got to recognize our sinfulness and say, Lord, I cannot do this myself. And so he touches us, makes us clean, and that is what gives us the white robes of righteousness. And then we can actually begin to do acts of righteousness. Without that, the invitation, we can say, yeah, I'm going to come, but that's an, that's an important, in fact, that's an essential part of all this. Revelation 19, kind of going back to that same passage, the next verse, verse 9, it says, then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Some may come to the wedding feast, but have skipped over the essential part of being washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And as is in the case of this parable in Matthew 22, in fact, many parables, the last verse is sort of the conclusion. And here it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Called literally means being invited. So you could say many are invited, but few are chosen. And for those of us who've been involved most of our lives in, in giving out the great invitation, we know that, don't we? You know, but that still should not keep us from extending the great invitation. Just because we're invited and just because we feel drawn to him and do his work, that's not enough. Those who are chosen are the ones who've made themselves ready. They have the wedding clothes. You know, they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and they're doing the righteous acts of the saints. Many times, 
Jesus, you read it through the gospel, talks a lot about being ready, being alert, being faithful. It's a theme that runs through most of his teaching and parables. And uh, so the chosen are those who've responded to the invitation, who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and who are faithful. And so many of the promises of God are for the chosen. Now, let's just hit one other theme here real quick, too. It says, both last week and this week, we see that God wants his house filled. They both, both parables, and, and there's other places that speak that say the same thing. This is God's end time goal, that his house would be filled with people. And it's the mission he's given to us. You know, Matthew 24, verse 14, it talks about Jesus is answering the question of the um, disciples when the end will come. And he says, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So this is important. The gospel of the kingdom preached to all the nations. In other words, compelling people to come in. Second Peter, I think is really, um, says it very well. Second Peter chapter three. Let's actually start in verse three. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? People say that today. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. You know, we, we Christians talk about um, uh, Jesus coming back, but I mean, really, what, what's different now than it was 200 years ago or 500 years ago? And people mock us, don't they? Verse 5, but when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which... The world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And then verse 9 is really where we're headed here. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In other words, what is, what is delaying Jesus' return? It's this. He wants his house filled, and he's going to keep delaying until his house is filled. In fact, if you kind of go on down to verse 11, it kind of continues this. It says, since all these things are to, are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's right. That's our call. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We're to be looking for and hastening the day of the Lord. How do we to hasten his return? The implication there is that we have something to do is to when he comes back. And I think that's exactly what he's saying. When his house is filled, that's our mission, is to bring in there's still people that need to come to repentance. 
And that's our mission, brothers and sisters. And they're to come from all nations, peoples of the world, as we talked about last week. They're going to be the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. And we're talking about spiritually speaking. That's the Great Commission. Okay, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit here because this is the beginning of 2022. And like we talked about last time, this is the time of the year to make, to kind of really evaluate our lives. What do we want this year, this coming year to be for us? And, uh, and I think a lot of it is summed up in getting ready for the King to return. And, um, and we, the bride of Christ, making ourselves ready and preaching that great invitation. So practically, what do we do to kind of begin to do that? And, uh, and this, what I'm going to be sharing here is geared in some ways a little bit more for the people, brothers and sisters at Emmanuel Fellowship, but I think it has implications everywhere. First of all, house churches. You know, the early church met in small groups as well as in large gatherings. There are advantages to both, but there are some things that can be done only in a small group. In our situation, we call them house churches. And you can dig into the scriptures. You can ask your questions. You can, uh, you can uh, share what you're going through. You can talk about how this passage applies to my life. You can't do that on a Sunday morning, can you? You, know? you can give of yourself to others by way of giving insights, encouragement. You can pray for one another. And I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to this. If you are not involved in a house church, and when I'm saying involved in house church, I don't mean go once a month. I mean, you're really involved on a weekly basis. Sure, there's times that you can't make it. I, I understand that. But really that you are a part of that group, not just for the meeting, but a part of what they're doing, praying through, uh, going through as a group, uh, listening to the Lord. Every believer, if you're really serious, about living for Christ, the small group environment is very important. In the case of Emmanuel Fellowship, we've designed house churches just to do that. We're going through the Gospels right now, and uh, I just really encourage you to be a part. The second thing, and this is, um, is more specific to Emmanuel Fellowship, we have what we call the doulos. The doulos means servants of God, and uh, it's a group that we meet with twice a month, usually. Sometimes it might be three, sometimes it might only be one, but generally speaking. Plus we have two retreats a year. And the purpose of that is just the equipping and preparing of workers. And that's what we wanna be, right? So we talk about things like how to study the scriptures. In fact, that's a big emphasis. How to care for others, how to minister to them, uh, sharpening our Sharpening one another in our gifts is important. Growing in discernment. And I just like to say, if you're a part of Emmanuel Fellowship, listening to this, and you want to be a part of this, please talk to me. I'd love to share more about it. Another thing, as far as if we were talking about making commitments to the Lord and just firming up some maybe some disciplines that we're lacking, study of God's word. We're called to study God's word is our spiritual nourishment. It's the principal way we hear from him. It's the principal way we know him. And we're called to handle 
accurately the word of God. So, uh, by the way, you can do this through house churches, you know, in case of manual fellowship or do lives. That'd be a very good way to do it. But you need to make a commitment to not just visit God's word, but as John, as Jesus says in John 8, to abide in his word. There's also the whole idea of being built together as living stones. What am I talking about there? Well, the church is not just a gathering once a week that we go for teaching. Yes, it, it includes that, but the church is not a building. It's not a time slot on Sunday morning or any other time. It's a family. It's a body. These are things that God describes. It's a spiritual house. In fact, we're told in uh, 1 Peter 2 that we are living stones being built together. Every one of us who God has breathed life into through the supernatural re re rebirth, you know, and been born again. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We are a living stone. And then he takes these living stones and he's building us together into a spiritual house that can give glory to him. Very important. If we want to grow, if we want to be faithful, if we want to live for Christ, and that's what we're really talking about last time and this time, being involved in a church body, church family, and I don't mean going on Sunday mornings, but being a part is essential. Just like studying God's word and also serving. That's the next thing. Being faithful in the things you're called to do. And, and again, really every one of these things, house church, and the doulos, for those who are part of uh, Emmanuel Fellowship, are, you know, excellent ways to kind of get us started. This. Praying, prayer is an important part. Learning to pray, praying with others is also important. Sharing our faith to others. You know, we're called to be fishers of men. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We are... We are called to compel them to go on the highways and byways and compel them to come in, that his house would be filled, right? House churches are a great way to do all these things. And the doulos is a way to do these things and to be stretched even further in all this, to be equipped and trained and encouraged. So looking into 2022, Let's make this a year of great personal growth and growing and reaching out to others, inviting people to come and experience all that God has for them. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for, for all that you're preparing for us. And Lord, you're preparing a place for us, but Lord, you've also called us to prepare ourselves as the bride and to be faithful, and to get ready, and to uh, compel people to come into the house, that they and to fill the house, your house, Lord. Uh, Lord, these are, there's so many things. Sometimes, Lord, our house, our, our, our minds are just kind of overwhelmed by it. And, and then, Lord, as we talked about last time, Lord, there's so many other demands and responsibilities that we have. But, Lord, You've made it clear that if we trust you and we put you first in all these things that we've talked about, then you'll take care of everything else. So, Lord, that is what we want to do. We want to trust you. 
We want to commit ourselves afresh to you and your purposes, that we be everything that you've created us to be. Thank you, Lord. Amen.